3: Ty's got
1: good hair.
4: Well, Chuck, uh, Eric Musselman, whether it was talking with you in the post game or with the media post, it, it's weird to see a coach as disappointed as he seemed despite a win, but I think that's how a lot of fans feel this morning.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I know, you know, I talked to a lot of people after the game, and, you know, everybody was happy they won, and most said the same thing. That got a little too close for comfort there at the end, and... um, you know, it is a win, and I know that sometimes you win a game and you don't get any style points, and it almost feels like a loss when you're done. But, um, you know, they need to get better, obviously. But uh, I'm not going to – I don't think you should ever hang your head about winning a ball game.
4: Well, let's talk about the ending. So you heard Devo's basket there, your call of that. You had a laden blocker, miss free throw that Arkansas really could have – Ended the deal, made it a two-possession game. They weren't able to. McCormack got off two good three-pointers at the tail end. Arkansas, at times this season, has had leads and just let them slip away and really were fortunate at the end to not let not let the game go to overtime based on how it concluded.
1: No question. No doubt about it. I mean, that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, man. You know, for, for Arkansas... the. You you look at that run that what was it twenty one to two or whatever it was you had no way you just couldn't stop it that that was the concerning thing is you just couldn't you couldn't put any water on that that fire
1: mm-hmm. Chuck no you couldn't and you know Lipscomb I mean to think that Lipscomb would go on a run like that's just you know you don't imagine that that would happen you just don't see teams um, come back like that all that often but you do see it some. And, um, you know, if you watch college basketball and you look around the country, it's not uncommon right now for the so-called mid-majors to give the so-called power schools a good run. Now, there are blowouts. There are plenty of them. Um, and Arkansas has blown some people out this year. But um, I just don't think you should apologize for a win. And I realize that, you know, there, there, there wasn't the blowout that people thought there was going to be. And I for I absolutely know there's a lot to do on this basketball team, and I'm not minimizing that, but I'm not going to sit here and talk like they lost because McCormick didn't make the shot. He didn't make it. He had two good looks and he didn't make it because at crunch time, it's different making a three-pointer than it is when mm-hmm. you're in the midst of a 21-2 to run. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different deal then. Making a great run and winning the game are two different things.
0: Yeah. It, on the note of... Close games and not as many blowouts, even though there's still some. Is and I'm not speaking specifically to Arkansas, but as just college basketball fans and razorback basketball fans, should should our expectations adjust a bit a little bit more about the the parity of where we're at in today's portal world.
1: Well, I think in November and December the answer is yes. Now it still remains to be seen what happens in the tournament. Now we saw last year in the tournament. We saw two teams get into the final four that not many people had in their bracket, no, no. and so we saw last year a lot of these things that happen in November and December continue. And I don't know if we will this year or not. My suspicion is the answer to that question is yes. Now we may not have two teams nobody expected to be in the final four get there again, but I think you know we're just going to have to see when we get to March you know, what effect this 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 really has on college basketball. Is it like it was a year ago where you have a free-for-all in the NCAA tournament? I think that's what's going to happen, just for the record. We don't really know that yet. I suspect there's going to be a team like Lipscomb beat a team like Arkansas in the NCAA tournament. I suspect we'll see something yep, like that I agree.
4: Well, I, I wonder, because it feels like from a football standpoint that, the gap between the big dogs and the smaller dogs is getting wider and wider, but it doesn't feel that way in basketball. I don't, again, monitor baseball in that, in that situation as closely. What is the difference then, if that's the case? Because you just alluded to the transfer portal. Well, it you get into like- a
1: lot of trouble comparing basketball and football, and fans tend to do that a lot, and they compare sports, and everything's a different animal. My, my feeling on basketball right now is that, You've got a lot of schools, Arkansas among them, who have reloaded their roster through the portal based on what we saw last year and the success teams had with more veteran players. Now, we saw the teams left standing at the end last year with veteran portal guys. Now, there's a knack, and, and, and I'm not sure everybody's mastered it yet because you've got guys who come into your program that have three, four years of bad habits in some cases. Now, you get a guy from a winning program, you're getting a guy with winning habits. You get a guy from a program where they've not won that many ball games, but he has good individual numbers, you don't always know what you're getting. And there are a lot of those guys out there. I mean, rosters all over the country are filled with those guys right now. Or at least they got three or four of them. Everybody does. You know, they've got good offensive numbers for programs that didn't win enough games. And now they're going somewhere else. Well, they can score. We know that but there's a lot more to it you know in terms of the level that you want to get to now than just scoring points and so i think around the country i i I think coaches are trying to instill their philosophies into players who've been other places three or four years they're trying to do it in a short amount of time you see it manifested on a wednesday night at you know when you don't always you see one football game a week sometimes you see two or three basketball games a week in November and. Um, that's my theory. I may be completely wrong, but I think a lot of teams out there trying to blend new players into their philosophy and some are struggling to do it more than others. I I think, I think freshmen and young,
0: younger players are, are obviously just more pliable. They're more teachable. They're more moldable, but you Uh, don't have time to teach them anymore. You really don't. But where I was headed is now with more mature rosters and older players, I don't know that you... Uh, you you said something last week like coaching the bad habits out of out of players. I don't know that you have. I, I don't know that it's as easy and moldable <laughs> as it is with a younger roster at times. You you know the idea that hey in March it's just all going to come together. I just don't think that uh, is is as easy a
1: thing to pull together as it once was. No, you're right. There's no question. I will say this about this basketball team. They played really well against Purdue. They played really well against Duke. When the lights were brightest, they played really well, mm-hmm. and that's encouraging. It tells you you got you know you got some ballers out there. You got some guys who can play. You got some guys who. And I, and I hate to say this, I don't just think it's here, but I think it's all over the country. Guys go to programs because they want to play in March, or they you know they want to taste all that in March. They didn't come to those schools to play a mid major in December. I mean, that's not what they went there for. They went there for the bright lights, the big games, and you know, we're all just guessing. And I'm spit firing here. I will admit because um, you know there are some, you know there are some things that just seem weird. I mean, you know, you look at things on paper and they ought to be different than they are. I think we're reminded in college basketball as much as any sport right now of the the human element involved in this. And it's not just a game that plays out on a piece of paper. Numbers are great. They really are. But they only tell you – well, they don't tell you the whole story. I'll just put it that way.
4: And I wonder now, with Keon Minifield being cleared to play by the NCAA, how that adjusts things, not just in terms of minutes, but the overall team chemistry and and everything else. He's again, was a non-scholarship redshirt this past semester. The fall academic calendar ended, and now he's been cleared to play – by the NCAA played a little under 20 minutes didn't have a just a giant stat line or anything but I think you saw some things that you liked if you're an Arkansas fan and well, we again Arkansas is guard heavy to this point he's going to be battling for those minutes and as a younger player I wonder if he'd be more adaptable defensively than some of those other guys
1: they're not point guard heavy I don't know how else to put it they are not point guard That's heavy point. they are guard heavy they got a bunch of off guards They got a bunch of combo guys, but they're not point guard heavy. And that's what gives him a chance to play. I don't know if he will or not, but I think they're planning on giving him every shot because that's the one spot right there where I'm just going to be honest. Nobody's emerged. You got a bunch of guys who can shoot. You got guys who can handle the ball. You got some guys who can defend out there. But nobody's really taken that point guard job by the, by the range. I don't the think... opportunity yeah, there.
4: yeah, L. Ellis, unfortunately, has turned the ball over more than Muss is like. I don't know if he's willing to trust a true freshman, Lane Blocker, who's made some bad mistakes at the end of games at times. This kid, even in 19 minutes, had two assists. So I think there is an, an appetite to see what he can do there. I know he's been practicing. With the team all offseason, but I just wonder how quickly he can get in game shape and everything.
1: Well, I I, I don't think he's that far. I, I just I just don't think he is because I'm going to tell you they uh uh you know like for example you know, must talked about him going live and and here's the thing. I mean you guys are smart enough to know this too. They've probably had an inkling that this was coming. Yeah. I can I can tell you, but, you know my sense privately has been this year that. They felt like they had a chance. I mean, they felt like there was a chance he might be able to play this year. Mm-hmm. So, and he's been going. I mean, he's been going hard every day. I, I don't. Uh, is it the same? No. And, and 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 I'm not saying you're wrong there. I, I'm, I'm just saying I don't think the I don't think the gap between practice shape and game shape's all that wide right now for him. Yeah. And Ty asked this earlier, and
0: and I don't know that we have the answers to this, and so maybe. Musk can clear this up in in his next visit, but how do the numbers work when, I mean, you're only allowed so many on your roster, only so many scholarships, Um, this, you know, from the math puts you over one. I, I don't know that we have the answers to that, but that's a question that I think a lot of people will want the answer to at some point.
1: Well, I don't know about a lot of people, but well. it'll be. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how they're going to work that out. Uh, uh, my understanding is when you get into conference play, it's a pretty hard and fast rule on dressing fifteen. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how they'll shake that out. Right now, and and, and I don't. You know, I'm speaking off the top of my head. And sometimes that'll get you in trouble. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that his status is a non scholarship players change talking about minifield I don't I don't I don't know that that's changed I haven't heard one way or the other frankly those are not the kind of things I pay attention to but I do know that yeah you're right I mean when they get into conference play there's you know you are going to dress fifteen, I guess. His
4: uh, from a team spokesman, I uh, text last night. His status has not changed, so okay. I got that verified right. to this point. But in terms of the roster that you just asked, Tommy, I don't know about that. I do yeah. know that Eric Musselman had some positive things to say about Keon Minifield after the game. Here is what he said after his first action this season: I thought
2: it was important to get him in the game. I mean, that was the the plan was to play him somewhere between, you know, fifteen and and twenty minutes, and and he got eighteen. Thought it, you know he's active, he's bouncy, he. He is a reactor to loose balls. It's hard to be thrown into a game ten games in, but you know I think his quickness, his willingness to be a ball distributor can can help us.
4: And then Chuck, that's kind of again what you alluded to. I didn't think about it from that standpoint because really Arkansas to this point, you like you think about Mus's years. Jalen Harris locked in at point guard. Jalen Tate locked in at point guard. Uh, J.D. Notte locked in at point guard. A.B. locked in at point guard. This year, kind of like you said, whether it's been Ellis, it's been Devo at times, Layden Blocker, you just don't feel as confident about the ball hinders. And if, like, as you mentioned with the distributing aspect, maybe midfield can shore that up a little bit.
1: Well, there's a, there's a pacing to all this, too. I mean, pacing's very, very important. And um, I know that's something that, that, that Musk talks about a lot. I think that's really important to him. And, you know, you, you talked about stat line a little bit earlier. You can be a great point guard. And I won't say dominate the game, but you can control the game. You can be a really good point guard and control the game. And you look at the stat line at the end of the night, you got four or five assists, which would be great. Sometimes you got two or three. Sometimes you got four or five. You don't score a lot of points. There's not a whole lot of rebounds in there. But you're still a player that can control the game. You control the pace of the game. I'll draw a football analogy. If you've got a great offensive line, you control the pace of the game. In basketball, if you've got a great point guard, you've got a chance to do that on the offensive end. And I think that's been I think that's been an issue in the coach's mind is that perhaps our pacing offensively, particularly in the half court, when we come across the timeline. Maybe that's not where it needs to be.
4: Yeah, he's mentioned uh, n- not this past game, the game before. He talked about that they've been too slow bringing the ball up, and that he hasn't, they haven't played to the pace that they typically have since he's been in Arkansas. So, if Minifield is playing more of that position, then maybe you'll see an expedited offense.
1: And you don't have to fast break to be well paced. It's a good point. Yeah. You can be a well paced offense and not be a team that that, that looks for a run out every time you get a rebound.
0: Yeah, just you don't want to be shooting with taking your first shot with 3 seconds on no, the No, that's card. true too. That, that's that, true too. That, this team has gotten the ball stuck and has, has
3: done that some Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian Dining Room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12, dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6, eat free. Reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu Items.
1: Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore. He's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support. They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. Five three one twenty seven eighty five Online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If they can't help you, they'll talk baseball.
4: BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball. MLB, NHL hockey, right down to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V. B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Right, I want to piggyback off what we were talking about there and make another point. Arkansas finished, you guys may remember better, I mean, like 10th in the conference last year, right? 8-10. I think they were 8-10, and 10, yeah. Yeah, and they, they did not finish in the top half of the league. I don't know that this year, if, if you had that kind of finish in this league this year, that's going to be... Good enough. We've been talking about that for for a couple of years. So I think we all have to have a different expectation about what may punch your ticket this year, based on where the league is at, at least right now. Because I don't know that being two games below five hundred, particularly when you match that up with your non-con record, it's going to be enough. So, I mean, it, it. You look at where this league is, and look at how many are ranked, and you look at the net rankings, and just some of the early trends. It's. I think it's a different set of expectations heading into those last 18 games of the regular season
1: well it's hard to say how it's all going to play out there's the potential for that to be true i you know we're, we're just going to have to see you know when the numbers the you know when the net rankings and the things like that actually begin to matter um how the pecking order falls i do know one thing that they can't afford to stumble out of the gate um you know we talk about conference play coming up and we generally say sec play in a real collective sense, but I mean, you got to look at what they've got right out of the gate. I mean, they play Auburn at home and then they go to Georgia and Florida back to back. So you can't afford to stumble out of the gate on the road because of where you are in terms of your overall record. Um, Will nine and nine get them in? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's is it going to be close Yeah. Are you guaranteed anything going to the ter- conference tournament? Absolutely not. It um, still might be enough to get them in. Eight and ten, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of going to have to be how the, you know, how the league plays out and how it fares nationally in terms of numbers. But look, let's be honest. If you go eight and ten, I mean, you can start doing the math and adding things up. It's. Uh, you're going to be right there on the cut line, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
4: The good thing is you have those opportunities. Seven teams right now are in the net top 50. You play A&M twice, who's probably going to be a top three team in this league. You play Kentucky twice, who's probably the best team in this league. You got Tennessee, you got Alabama. So you got the better teams on your schedule. And again, you can look at that as a net positive or a net negative, but because of those net those conference, non-conference losses, got to look at it as a positive because those are games that you can add to your resume at this point
1: well and if you go on the road and win a game or two I mean you know this let's say you're playing Kentucky and Lexington or you know one of these other good teams at their place and you win I mean your net number skyrocket mm-hmm. now you know if you get right at the end like I've, I think they play Alabama and Tuscaloosa right at the end it's the last game yep is that game gonna move the net needle all that much well probably not by the time we get there, I don't know. It could. But if you look at the past years, it, it'll move at it some, but it, it, it's not going to be dramatic. But, you know, as you move through conference play, if you again, if you go to Lexington or you go to one of these other places, I don't have the schedule right in front of me. But but you win one of those games in January. So you win a couple of them in January, one in early February. I mean, your, your, your net number moves. I mean, the needle still moves then. Yeah. And so, you know, can they do that?
0: I well, guess you, we'll find you, out. You moved up after losing to Oklahoma. Right.
1: Moved up considerably.
4: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And Duke is now, I think, in a quad one win because of where they are in the net rankings, if I remember that right. So again, Does that
0: help? I mean, it's... Oh, pardon me, but, if they move up afterwards, that doesn't make the previous win a quad one. It's where they were at the time. That's
4: right? how maybe maybe I was missed. Maybe I was misexplained that. That's how someone said it to me. Maybe I need to <laughs> double check Mise- on that. it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I did. So Musk got asked after the game, and he said this before when they've gone through struggles. That because fans are like, "Oh, Musk will figure it out," but he's like, "No, this team is different." Here, here's what he said about that.
2: Every team's different. Every team's got its own personality. I'm not going to have dinner with Mariah and, and Danielle and say, "Hey, we got—we'll we'll be all right. We're going to figure it out." I'm yeah. not under that mindset just because it's happened in the past. We got to play better in so many areas. We'll keep coaching, and then uh, hopefully you get some execution on the floor. But yeah, I don't—I don't think the narrative of you know it's happened in the past. You can't coach chemistry.
0: You know, last year this team went to what was it? Europe and and and, and traveled to Italy and got to know each other and. and you know, perhaps built team chemistry, then went to Maui and played in the Maui Invitational. This team went to the Bahamas, uh, but other than that, they haven't had extensive time, you know, just for, for for those kind of trips. I don't know how much that helped last year. They didn't have those things this year, but guys, you can't go in to, to practice and coach chemistry, and I just wonder how this collection of guys get along. I don't know the answer to that, but that's a big part of how a team plays, do they like each other? Do they want to play for each other? Where's the the friendships and the connections? Because they were all a bunch
1: of pieces that came from different places that was put together. You never know what someone's agenda is. I mean, you just don't. As as fans, when a player comes in, we all have a tendency to think he wants to come play for us. Yeah, He wants to come play for Arkansas. He wants to come play for the Razorbacks. He wants to join our family. Um... <laughs> but that may not be that may not be his motivation his motivation may be about him i mean his motivation may be about getting to where he wants to go and the fact that you know it happens to be for the university of arkansas well that's you know that's just how it played out if it wasn't here it'd be somewhere else and I'm not knocking any kid and and we're not the only ones that have had to deal with this lots I think this is a something that we as the portal unfolds we are beginning to see affect different teams that you may not necessarily have as much team you know you may not have as much we as you once did Um, you don't go through two or three years together you don't you don't run Cleveland Hill together for three or four. You don't do those things together anymore. It's impossible to build that kind of camaraderie. And I just don't know that we always yeah. have a full understanding of what each individual's agenda is. Some guys do come to town to be part of the team, some guys come to town to improve themselves. And that's the number one goal, not just here, but everywhere.
0: I just know that. You know, listen, a work environment like we work in, where there's people doing different things in a, in a, in a radio station or an insurance office or wherever you may work. Um, you have to consider personalities and how they're going to fit together when you hire somebody. Or is that person going to fit in that room with that sales team or that on air? You know, we would never hire someone to join our show whose personality was just completely um uh, you know uh, obtuse with with us but that never fit in with what we have. I don't know that you get that I don't know that you get to do that when putting together a basketball team and it's just like anything else if if people don't like each other, they're not going to play hard
1: for each other. It's hard to say. I I mean, it's it's we've we've each each situation's different, and I hear what you're saying. I don't want to overplay this and make it sound like it's the issue because I don't think it is. Um, You do have guys that don't like each other that can still play and work well together. You know, we're we're theoretically all adults in the room. You, You know, loving one another is nice and can it make it better? Yeah, but it's not really a requirement. But I do think that. People's agendas, you know what what they're in it for. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Not on on, on any basketball team. On any basketball team, and um, again, I think this is a byproduct of the portal, and I think it's something that we're just kind of figuring out as we move along. And you know, one of the realities that's coming into play is is that again, there's there's not quite as much team. Maybe yeah. as there once was. Well, well, well as it Jordan said, there's no I in team, but you can't spell win without I either. So, yeah, uh,
4: And I think so. you made a comparison earlier, Chuck, guys coming in that haven't necessarily been on great teams. You've got, like, different setup, right? Tremont Mark was on a great team in Houston, knows what it takes to win. L. Ellis, on the other hand, was on a really mm-hmm. bad team in Louisville. And there's certain things. And then you think about a kid like Layden Blocker who just came from Sunrise. And they're all in different situations, and they acclimate... Differently at this point. I said earlier, there's a chance that Minifield starts taking L's minutes, who played less than a minute in this game on Saturday. How does he handle that if it plays out like I think it might? Because he was averaging 17 points in Louisville last year. And there, again... And we ex- talked
0: about this before the season
4: even began. This very subject. Yeah, and with the, again, the idea that you're not necessarily... Point guard heavy or guard heavy, point guard heavy. If Minifield takes that role at point guard, which Ellis played a good chunk, how does he handle that basically demotion at this point? Something I, again, I thought about on Saturday as I'm watching the game and I'm thinking about in these coming weeks. What could do to the chemistry, quote unquote, the chemistry of this basketball team?
1: Those are all things that, all right, that's the new frontier in coaching. I mean, that's yeah. that's 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 the new frontier, and all of them are doing their dead level best to figure it out and. You know, I know this. You've got a better chance of figuring it out if the guy's a good player. Um, I do know that, but you know, you don't want a bad player and chemistry issues. You'd rather have a chemistry yeah. issue and some good play. You know, none of it's ideal. And 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 look, I, I don't I don't want it to sound like you know when you look at this basketball team. Oh, the chemistry's bad. Oh, the chemistry's bad. And that's that's the, uh, that's the reason for. It. I don't believe that. Now, chemistry's part of everything, but. You know, this is uh, um, it takes longer, and it may take long and it may not happen. But my sense is that we will see this team come together at some point. Um, it just may be a little bit later than we did before. And what you hope is, is that you don't lose games in the process and get yourself in a bad spot when you get there.
4: Oh, I think well, you go back to last year. So last year's team showed us that their high point can be really high. I.E. going to Rupp and winning. I.E. beating Kansas in the round of 32 game. They had a ceiling. This year's team has showed us they have a high ceiling. I mean, the defense they played against Zach Eady, the defense they played against Kyle Filipowski and Duke. I mean, they, they've they shown us the ability that they can win and play well on both ends of the floor but there is no consistency. And, again, you kind of alluded to it earlier that some of these guys that are coming in. There is a, a positive to bringing in uh, guys that have played college basketball for a number of years. But, it, again, the, the byproduct, the, the, the con is the fact that they've had these habits that they developed on the defensive end for a while. And those are harder to, I guess, coach out of than I would say their offensive point.
1: Well, the thing that I would say, too, there, Ty, is it's sometimes harder to identify the one thing that I look at from the portal, if, if, if I was a coach, um, you know, and I was, had a two or three week period to make a decision on a kid, you know, what do you prioritize? Because you're not going to get to know the kid fully. You're not going to get to fully know his game. You know, you'll, you'll think maybe you do, but you know, you know, as much as you can from watching video. You're not around the kid. You get as much information as you can, but then you make a call. And you've got to do it. It's not like you watch a kid for a couple of years as a high schooler and talk to his coach and watch him break up with his girlfriend and how he, I mean, you don't get to see all that stuff. And so I would think that would be the hardest part right now for a coach when you talk about reassembling a team every year, how you'd go about doing that.
4: He played the Lipscomb Bisons this weekend. The Harding University Bisons, as of Saturday, are the D2 national champions.
3: The final record is 15-0 and number 391 in program history is the sweetest one yet. Paul Simmons Bisons are on top of the D2 football world. Let the celebration begin. The Harding Bisons are the 2023 NCAA Division II National Champions. Final score, Harding 38, Colorado School of Mines 7
4: over 500 rushing yards in the game, five touchdowns. Simmons is an Ashdown native, so I know a lot of people down there are happy to see him have success. I saw Monteric Brown making plays last night, so Ashdown, Arkansas. Center well, of the football world right I, now.
0: I think this is something the entire state, I know there's some that are fans of Washita or Henderson or one of the other D2 programs in our state. Um, Arkansas tag, just go down the list of GAC schools, but this is something every Arkansan ought to be proud of that you got the you know program that's done this well and they them in washington have been the pride of the of, of the d2 schools in this state and really of of that conference for for quite a quite a while now chuck
1: yeah congratulations to them i uh, somebody said they had a sign that said passing is a sin which i thought was <laughs> kind of funny and uh well, they think a um, lot's of um, sin there but, yeah, yeah but uh um no congratulations i mean that's a hey 15 and 0 um their throwback no doubt about it. And uh, congratulations to all of them. The fighting Derek Ruskins are the
4: national champions. Yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure he was as happy as, as anyone that they ended up getting it done. But again, 38-7, <laughs> they dominate the Colorado School of the Mines on Saturday.
0: Break out the hard cider. The Bisons are, hard cha- are national champions. Uh, so congratulations to those guys.
1: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas
4: Athletics. Makai Mitchell was big for this basketball team on Saturday. Ended the game with 12 points, 5 rebounds, including the basket
1: that really stopped the bleeding for Arkansas. They get it to Devo at the elbow, lobs it low, Mitchell lays it in. That's how you attack a zone, stops the run. First Razorback basket, 6 minutes, 65-62, 253 to play.
4: Chuck, you got a chance to catch up with him after the game. I thought him and Graham worked well together at times, and Makai just every once in a while has one of those games, which he brings out his his offensive skills down low, and that was Saturday.
1: Well, twelve and five, you know that's a that's a you know that's a good set of numbers right there, and you combine that with what Graham did on the offensive end. I think you had what twenty three points between Makai and Graham uh probably would like a little more than six rebounds between them certainly more than one from Jalen but I like Makai I think Makai's a uh I think he's a good kid good player and uh, I'm glad he had a good day. Uh, he, Graham, he mentioned
4: that after the game. Musks kind of disappointed with that stat, even though Jalen had a good game offensively, still needs to do some stuff uh, from the defensive rebounding standpoint as well. Uh, ending-wise, it was crazy ending of the game, and Eric Musselman kind of touched on that after the game, just kind of what shook out the last couple minutes.
2: Well, first of all, in the past, we've done a really good job of, of milking shot clock when we get up like that. A lot of people don't understand it. Tonight's a great example of why you do it. I let them play. Should a clock manage better? Again, you know, you think with the veteran team that you'll be able to get good shots on goal. That wasn't the case tonight. Got to get a lot better in in so many areas.
1: You know, we go back to, you know, he talked about getting good shots on goal. We talk about attacking that zone. That highlight you played right there. um, They got the ball to the middle of the floor. You know, Devo was at the high, you know, out at the high post, so to speak. I mean, he was there at the nail, as they call it, or close to it. And you do a little high-low. And, but you got to, you know, there were, that was one of the few possessions, frankly, where they attacked the zone well. But, again, to me, that was, if they'd attacked the zone better uh, during that stretch, and they'd been able to score, um... First off the run wouldn't have been as pronounced. Uh but I, I just thought it all went back to that period there where they just couldn't find a way to score. Yeah. And so it made everything on the other end seem even worse. And what you're talking about when he goes
0: to that four, just put it in the simplest terms, you're gonna make the defense commit. They're either gonna come up and guard you with the ball and you can dump it low, or they're gonna to commit to the to the to the big guy down low and you should have an open jumper there. So I mean it's kind of like RPO and basketball to a sense. You're making the defender commit, and you're going to take what's available. Oh.
4: Go ahead. I was going to say, Devo, I felt like at times this season, it's been passive shooting the basketball, and I'd like to see him shoot some more of those jumpers. I feel like that's his wheelhouse in the midst of that zone, but uh, he did he did take that shot at the end uh, where I know Eric Musselman, your call was say, try and pull it back out, and Devo went full steam ahead with about 25 <laughs> seconds yeah, left. Yeah, Muss
1: was right in front of me saying, hold it up, and – uh You know, Devo, uh, it's a good thing the ball went in. I always put it that way. Yeah,
4: and put him up three at that point, and uh, Lipskin was not able to recover. So that's basketball. We'll we'll talk more about that in Hour 3. Do have some football news for you. You got three commitments over the weekend. Hawaii kicker Matthew Shipley, uh, Fernando Carmona, uh, offensive tackle for San Jose State, and Danico Slaughter, defensive back for Tennessee. So you did add a few commits Arkansas football team this weekend
1: I don't know how this kid from California is going to be but I have thought more than once the last couple of years man we sure could use another Sebastian Tritola we could sure use another guy that with a larger than life personality and I'm going to tell you something guys when Sebastian Tritola walked into that locker room it was his locker room ask anybody who was in there from the head coach all the way down to the last manager when Tritola walked in, it was his room. And when he had something to say, everybody listened. And if he didn't think you were listening, he'd get in your face. He policed that room. That's what they need. I don't know if this kid's like that. And maybe the only thing they have in common is they're from California. I have no idea. Mm. But, I, but, but when I saw his name there, I thought, uh, man, we sure could use another Tritola. He's fun to interview. I liked, uh, I don't care about that. I'm talking about what he did for that offensive line. I'm talking about the kind of teammate he was and how he held himself accountable and everybody else accountable and how uh, you got to have that alpha dog in there, man. You got to have that guy in there that rules the roost that everybody's afraid of. <laughs> and they were afraid of him. You need somebody like that.
4: I still remember that trick play he threw against, what was it, UAB? On the field goal, that was uh, the, the touchdown he threw on the, the two-point conversion or whatever. Yeah, he was uh, he was a player back in the day. Did see Joey Sua committed to Arizona State uh, over the weekend, former Benville standout, um, saw that he made that official. Uh, women's basketball team got a 14-point victory. They don't, Chuck, help me on this. I didn't think this was traditional. They usually don't play a women's game before the male, men's game, do they? Or is that is that typical? I don't remember that being the case typically in North Little Rock.
1: Uh, I don't know, I don't know, but they did Saturday, yeah. and I, you know, from what I gather, they had a pretty good crowd. I was, uh, I could see over there from the window of my hotel room, and there were a lot of cars there. Um, I went over there toward uh, toward the end of the game, and I mean, it was it was packed out. I, I won't say it was full like the men's game, but there were mm-hmm. a lot of cars there. I don't
0: think they typically do yeah, that, I but I I think when you got a chance, know. I think you when you got a chance to bring both basketball products. To the same arena, same day, and get that fan base down there. uh in, You know, get them in front of that. I think that's. A, I think it's a good decision.
4: It's sixteen thousand plus for the men's game. I think it was fourth lar- largest crowd in Simmons Bank history that uh watched it's the three great point crowd. Win. Yeah,
1: it was a great crowd. It always. I it, mean, it really was. And
4: I wonder, like the. I know they haven't had the most success in North Little Rock, even in wins, they haven't played to their best. I and mean, is that just a byproduct of Finals Week, typically where it lands on the schedule? I mean, I would say that that would probably have something to do with it each and every well, year
1: you know people people don't like hearing this but i mean it is a road game because you get on a bus in this case and you ride on the bus longer than you ride on a plane for example if you play ole miss or mississippi state um you're on the plane maybe an hour hour and five minutes hour and ten at the most i mean it's it's pretty good all down there in little rock you're spending the night in a hotel um there's a festive atmosphere there are distractions and uh, everybody's happy to see you. Yeah. So, you know, all those things come into play. If you were playing those games in Fayetteville, it wouldn't be like that. And I'm not saying you should. If you want to know the truth, <laughs> it wouldn't bother me if they played another game down there in Little Rock in basketball. I think they do a great job down there. I love it when Arkansas plays basketball down there. I wish they'd play better. But I do think, yeah, finals have something to do with it. Time of the year has something to do with it. It's not a marquee opponent. That's got something to do with it. Three-hour bus ride. All that stuff's got something to do with it. Um, having said all that, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you ought to give up a 21-2 run yeah. in the second half. I'm not saying it excuses that. I'm just saying there are a lot of things that come into play.
4: Last thing your hog update, Tiger Woods and Charlie tied... The, the dailies, uh, John and John David Jr., or not John David, John Jr., uh, at the PNC Championship this week in Orlando at the Ritz Carlton Golf Club. I would say that's probably a pretty nice golf course down there. I bet the rooms are
1: nice. Yeah. I bet the, uh, I bet their accommodations were satisfactory. Yes. So
4: I bet they had fun this weekend. Yeah, Jimmy and Conway calling earlier and said if he transfers to an SEC school, he hopes he goes 0-12. I am curious, like everyone else is, where KJ ultimately ends up. My hot take is he winds up in Auburn, Alabama for Hugh Freeze, even with Peyton Thorne still on the roster at this point. But I, I was looking at the SEC quarterbacks that you'll play on the schedule next year. Peyton Thorne, currently the starting quarterback for Auburn. Uh, will Mike Elko bringing a new quarterback for Texas A&M. Tennessee is going to be rolling out their stud freshman Nico Ilamueva, the former five-star from California. LSU is going to have a new quarterback post-Jaden Daniels. Mississippi State is going to have post-Will Rogers as he announced he's going to Washington this weekend. Still don't know about Jackson Dart and Ole Miss. Texas and Missouri are really the only two teams. Texas will have Quinn Ewers back. And Missouri will have Brady Cook back, so it's it's not just Arkansas, guys. When you look at the SEC opponents, more than fifty percent of them mm. on your schedule will have a new quarterback next year.
1: Yeah, it's the nature of the game now. I mean, quarterbacks are uh, they're hot commodity. They uh, they uh, command a lot of dollars right now in the NIL world, and so yeah, I, th- I think we'll continue to see quarterbacks move. Now you said something about Kyle
4: McCord earlier uh, that I thought, and it makes a lot of sense. Again, he hits the portal right after the loss to Michigan, um, commits to Syracuse over the weekend, which we know is a lot less of a football program than Ohio State. I I don't know if KJ Jefferson was necessarily asked to leave. I, I think what Probably ended up happening behind closed doors is he was told that he was not guaranteed the starting spot this next year uh, under Bobby Petrino's new offense. Again, I have I can't say that from an absolute perspective, but that is just a guess on my part, because when you when you go back and listen to Bobby Petrino in his press conference and then also Sam Pittman on his coaches show with you, Chuck, or various other things. He, he got asked about KJ a couple times, and neither the head coach nor the offensive coordinator definitively voiced their, hey, we want KJ back this next year. That doesn't mean that there wasn't a thought that he would come back and at least compete for the job, but I've seen other coaches that are a little more boisterous and outspoken for their former or their current starting quarterback than maybe those two have been.
1: I don't know the nature of their conversations, and I, I, don't, I don't want to pretend like I do. Um, you know, he obviously felt like, you know, whatever he wants to get to or wherever he wants to go, um, he was going to be better off going going somewhere else, and there may have been some thought on the other side as well that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to turn the page. You know... I, I think one of the things that you look at, not just here, but you talked about the Ohio State guy, um, you know, from what I read on Kyle McCord, for example, there was a report in the Columbus newspaper that he wanted an assurance or maybe a reassurance from Ryan Day that he was going to be the starting quarterback. He, you know, asked for a vote of confidence, so to speak, and he did not get that assurance. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he went into the transfer portal. Now, in the old era of college football, I don't think it's unrealistic for a guy who's been a starting quarterback, for, in K.J.'s case, for the better part of four years, or in this case, this kid's case, at a school like Ohio State, where they win a whole lot more than they lose. In, in, in past years, I don't know that it's unrealistic for that kid to go and say, hey, man, um, you need to tell me I'm your quarterback. You need to tell everybody else, too. In this era, though, when a head coach knows that the transfer portal is going to be littered with quarterbacks at the end of the year, some of whom may be better than what you've got. You know, as much as you love him, as good as he's been, there may be somebody else out there you think you can get that's better than what you got. And it's hard for a head coach to look a kid in the eye now, I would think, and say, I guarantee you you're going to be my starting quarterback. I don't care who goes into the portal. I don't care what happens out there. I don't care if Tom Brady reincarnated, begs to come here. <laughs> you're my guy. Um, it's hard to do that. And I don't know that you're really doing your program a full service when you do that. So it's a tough deal out there right now. It's tough for players. It's tough for coaches. Um The portal gives the players the ultimate power. They can leave pretty much whenever they want. And every year coaches have to deal now with unrestricted free agency, no salary cap, no compensation when you lose a guy. I mean, nothing. And so it's tough on all sides right now.
4: Yeah. Several quarterbacks have already committed. We mentioned, uh, again, Kyle McCord, DJU, one of those guys that's still up in the air, Brock Vandegrift from Georgia. Sorry, come in. I just, with the market being so saturated right now, I wonder how much KJ is worth with guys that have committed. And again, we mentioned the idea of playing in the SEC still to this point. Uh, I would think that that would decrease his value based on, to be frank, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the portal that are better than him. And are more coveted than him at this point. I mean, if he had gone at this point last year, I think that market looked a lot different last year than it did next year. And I think there's going to be even more quarterbacks that hit the portal after this season based on what we've seen through this offseason already.
1: Well, there's no reason to believe there won't. I mean, I haven't seen anything that makes me believe there are going to be fewer quarterbacks. And it'll be cyclical. I mean, there may be a great crop one year and a not-so-great crop the next, but... No, I don't, I don't see anything that, at least under the current plan, unless the rules are changed, there's nothing out there that makes me believe that um, there won't be quarterbacks and a large number of them and good ones in the portal every year. So, Tommy, you're under the impression he's
4: already got his settling place. Do we see an announcement this week I'm in under, your opinion?
0: I'm under that impression because once you enter yourself and make it public, your leverage is gone. I think in KJ's case, those that are behind the scenes, that are smart enough, figured out, kind of read the tea leaves, maybe the same way we do. This is this is maybe a mutual, a, a mutually beneficial decision for both sides to move on, and maybe that leverage isn't as great as we'd like to envision it. But um, I think you've always got to work your deal out before you move on, not just with KJ, but with any of these players, because once you put yourself out there, unless you truly have multiple suitors bidding after you, and that is rare. You've got, nothing, you've got nothing left, no leverage to fall back on. He only has one year,
4: too. Which yeah, for some that's, coach, the, that's another great point. For some coaches, that's really attractive and appealing because they feel like that he's going to give it all in this final year. And for other coaches, we're trying to, talking about basketball, super seniors or seniors earlier, there are some habits that KJ probably has that coaches would tell you he's got to work out of those. He's got to get better at that point.
1: Let me say again, and I said it earlier, um, I sure am glad KJ was a Razorback. Because I can tell you from having a pretty good seat to watch it all, that was one hell of a football player. And he made some plays and did some things and gave us some thrills. and, And you can count on one hand the number of players over the years who've been able to do that. Hasn't been perfect. Haven't been in many wins as maybe people would like. And as sometimes is the case with our program, unfortunately, players good players great players get caught up in turmoil and arguments on whether or not the head coach should be fired and KJ kind of got caught up in that at the end of this last season too people were just dissatisfied generally and ready to turn the page and KJ became a part of all that but um I hope everything he's looking for is out there, and I hope he finds it. And I'm glad he spent his time here because we're better for it. And I hope he is too.
4: One of the questions I had when I saw his name again officially hit the portal is: Would there be a player or to a teammate that he maybe convinces to go with him at that point? Because some guys are KJ KJ guys. I mean, who would
1: it be? be? And
4: and I think it ultimately it 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 depends on where he lands, and then of course because you want some familiarity around you and i would think that would be a possibility depending on where he
1: ends up i don't know specifics on who that would be but i think there well i mean for it to really be a theory i mean you have to i mean you can't just say well i you know he might do that i, I mean you have to look at it and say all, all right if 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 he's thinking that just for the record i don't i don't i don't, I don't think he is because i don't think he has that kind of cachet but um i mean who would it be
4: I wonder if, it, if there's a, a reunion with him and Rocket at South Carolina. If he ends up, but I know Rocket's already again made his decision public on on where he's committed to at this point. But uh, uh, Dwight, no more says, let Rocket. No more question. Rocket.
1: Play. They got a reunion here next year. Uh, I mean, uh, um, you got to look at the overall situation, and you've got to look at it just beyond a fan's perspective. Um, Shane Beamer. Some people are sold on him out there. Some people aren't. He's mm-hmm. a bad year away from getting canned. Let's just be honest. He's a four and eight year away from getting canned. You gonna hinge your you, you gonna hinge your career on a on a first year transfer, one year guy? In this case, KJ Jefferson. You gonna hinge your career on that? If I'm Beamer, well, Beamer's. I mean, reportedly they're
4: hosting backup Malik Murphy from Texas. And I, I, that's I'm just
1: asking you. And that's why I say would is if if I mean, I mean, you're wondering if KJ is going to end up at South Carolina. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is you got to look at the big picture there. And one of that part of that picture is Shane Beamer may be thinking, am I willing to hinge my career on KJ? If the answer is yes, then go get him. If the answer is no, then. You know, maybe not.
4: Yeah, I think that's a fair question to ask. And I would also say K.J. hinging his final year to like you're saying to Beamer at Arc, it's not just the coach hinging his career in Columbia to K.J. It would be K.J. also in his final year because unless something changes, I think K.J. still has an appetite to play at the next level. I
1: think if K.J. was in a position of strength, it wouldn't have taken this long for him to make his announcement. No, I I think there's a lot of fair. So, So for you to say that, K.J.'s going to be calling the shots in terms of where he goes anywhere right now. I don't I don't, I don't. think that's the case. I,
0: and I think when people bring up South Carolina, they bring it up because Rocket has... Because Dowell's there. And, and that was where I was going next. Yeah, the, yeah. There's two things there that have Arkansas ties with K.J.'s time here. And, mm-hmm. and you, you mentioned Dowell and Rocket, didn't you? So, you know, I think, I think we're connecting dots that may not be there.
1: Trey Knox went out there. Dowell was his position coach. Um... You know, South Carolina, I mean, I don't know that that's a destination school. I, I, I'm not knocking oh. them. I, I'm just saying I don't know that that's a destination it's school. It's not an obvious upgrade from where you've been. It'd be lateral yeah. at the best, I would yeah. say,
4: to this point. Both programs, I think, finished 4-8, and eight, um, maybe South Carolina 5-7, and seven, but it would, at I the mean, best, it would be a lateral. Mississippi
0: State's not, a, not an upgrade. Auburn, in my opinion, would be an upgrade with Hugh Freeze as their head coach, but...
1: You know, um, depends on that NIL money, too. I mean, when you've uh, uh, nobody leaves a nobody leaves a job for a pay cut willingly. And you you
4: mentioned something earlier, Chuck, on the on the quarterback battle side of things. I do wonder if KJ, again, as a six year player would even consider would even um, like decide, hey, I'm going to go to a place where I'm not the assumed starter. Like Auburn, that's my again. My hot take is he ends up going to Auburn because I think he would work well in Hugh Freeze's offense. But uh, if that's something he did, he he doesn't even entertain, and the idea that he would not just be the automatic starter walking into whatever when whenever camp starts.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, if he's going to go to a you know say an SEC school, and and I'd be surprised if that happens honestly. But if he does. Uh, I don't know a single spot where he's not going to have to have to compete. So uh, again, I, I just don't know that. And I'm going to speak bluntly here. When you're four and eight, and you're one and seven, and you've been the quarterback, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much individual talent you have. You're not the shot caller. <laughs> you're just not. You're not the one that goes in and says, "I'm doing this. I'm not doing that." Um, again, I, I will say if. Um, if, if, if the desire was to be guaranteed a starting job wherever you go, I don't think this would have been as protracted as it was in terms of his announcement. I don't think it had taken this long. So, um, look, I, I, don't, I don't know where he's going to end up. I don't know where – I don't know the extent of the conversations here. But, you know, they didn't bring this kid in from Boise State. He's not coming here. I mean, he's coming in here to win the job. And all these conversations that we've had about all these guys, I mean Jacoby Criswell's gotta be sitting there thinking, Man, you know, start of November <laughs> I was the heir apparent. Hello. Um, what happened? Hello So there's uh, you know, there's there's gonna be a lot of competition there.
4: This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied,
0: reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent